welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. Talking about capacity, we spoke about what capacity is all about, is the ability to receive, to absorb, and then to contain. And what you receive determines what you're able to give out. Your input determines your output. Uh, we say capacity is all about what you can handle, it's all about how long you can hold on, and so on and so forth. And uh, we spoke about social capacity, we spoke about spiritual capacity. Now we are talking about emotional capacity. We have mental capacity to talk about sometime later. Well, our anchor scripture you can find in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. Luke chapter 2, verse 40 and 52. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. Talking about Jesus, he grew, became strong in spirit. He was filled with wisdom, and God's grace was upon him. If Jesus grew, because when he came, he came as a man when he was around. So he had to grow, he had to go through the process that every normal human being will go through. And of course, the Bible says in verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom, mental capacity, increased in stature, increased in favor with God, in spiritual capacity, and also increased in favor with men. Is my prayer all out increase? That will be your portion. That will be your testimony in Jesus' name. Well, what is emotional capacity? Is actually expressing positive emotions over negative emotions. Our emotions are our feelings. That's the way you feel. And the way you feel determines how you act. Our feelings influence our actions a great deal. That's just the truth. And of course, positive emotions is what you can call the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not just the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So you have positive emotions. You have the emotion of joy, you have the emotion of peace, you have the emotion of enthusiasm, you have the emotion of excitement, you have the emotion, positive emotions of love, of selflessness, you have positive emotions of optimism, of gratitude, of empathy, of kindness. So in a nutshell, that's what you can call the fruit of the Spirit. So when you express positive emotions very well, very often, very regularly, you can be said to have emotional capacity. Because even when life throws jabs at you, where you have the inner peace, where you are fortified inwardly, where you have inner fortitude, then you can absorb whatever life throws at you. That's how this thing works. Life will throw jabs at you. Life will come at you. But when your inner sense, when your inner peace, when your inner person is peaceful, when the waters you are turning out from within you is good waters, then you can absorb whatever life throws at you. I mean, you see two personalities. The Bible talks about Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, that look, life happens. The rains will fall, the winds will blow, the floods will come. But as the wind blows against a house, that house went down. The other one, the winds blew, the rains fell, and the house stood. So you see two people, two personalities, two scenarios. What I can absorb, another person can't absorb it because he's not emotionally sound, he's not emotionally capable to undo the challenges. It's my prayer God will give you 
more positive emotions by the Spirit of God working within you, that Spirit will produce emotional wholeness in the mighty name of Jesus. So emotional capacity is expressing positive emotions over negative emotions. Of course, the second point is that emotional capacity is having negative emotions under control. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, in the Amplified Version, it says, be angry at sin, be angry at immorality, be angry at injustice, be angry at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. Don't let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. Do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or abhorring resentment or cultivating bitterness. The Bible says be angry at sin. Be angry at injustice. Yes, we are angry at the injustice going on in the land. It's very, very unjust. It's good to partake of protest. Jesus actually protested when he threw the money changers, when he threw them out of the temple in Jerusalem. That was a protest. So you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves. So we protest. It's okay to be angry at injustice. But the Bible says in our anger, we should be careful. So that Satan do not take advantage of our anger. When you are very angry, when it's inordinate anger, Satan takes advantage. Yes, we will partake of peaceful protest, but we will not destroy. Amen? We will not kill. We will not maim. Because we are still commanded to love our enemies. That's Christianity. We are still commanded to love those, to pray for those who despitefully use us. Amen? That's God. Because God loves all men. God doesn't see color. Before God, whether you are Greek, Jew, we are all one. Because we are created in God's image, we are created in his likeness. No man before God is superior to the other. No man before God is inferior to the other. It's a statement of fact. So God says, yes, it's okay to protest. It's okay to be angry at injustice. It's okay to be angry at sin. But even while you are angry, be careful. Don't give place to the enemy. Don't allow Satan to come in and take advantage. Don't be involved in arguments that will go overboard. Even as you disagree, your disagreements remain okay. So it's having control over our negative emotions because it is so true that anger is just one letter short of danger. Anywhere you have inordinate anger, you have unbridled anger, danger is just around the corner. So we are commanded to have self-control. Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28 says a person without self-control is like a city broken down without walls. A person without self-control, in other words, you don't have your negative emotions under lap. You don't have anger, resentment, envy, selfishness, all those emotions that are negative, the works of the flesh. If you don't have them under wraps, you are just vulnerable. That passage says Satan will set you up for a failure. A man that has no control over his emotions is like a city broken down without walls. Where you have a city without borders, where you have a house without borders, is vulnerable. Anything I just walk into it and plunder. It's my prayer you have control over your emotions in the mighty name of Jesus. You have control over mood swings. You have control over unbridled anger. You have control over anxiety, over envy, over hopelessness, over despair, over gloominess. You have control over negative feelings in the mighty name of Jesus. Because the way you feel is the way you will act. If you are distressed within you, you'll be distressed outside. If you are envious within you, you will show it outside. The way you feel is the way you act. Very, very critical 
for us to have control over negative emotions. That's been emotionally healthy. So what is emotional capacity? I told you is expressing more positive emotions, is having positive emotions over negative emotions, is having control over your negative emotions, is also being emotionally intelligent. That's big. Emotional capacity is equal to emotional intelligence. Now, in the secular world, we are hearing of emotional intelligence, hearing of emotional quotient. Now, they are beginning to measure people's emotions in the marketplace. You begin to read Harvard Business Review talking about emotional intelligence. People are now talking about emotional quotient. Before now, we used to measure people's intelligent quotient, IQ. Now, it's all a matter of EQ. People now study EQ in big universities, when they're employing you now, they are checking out your emotions. It's not just about aptitude anymore, it's about attitude. As a matter of fact, if you are going to get to high managerial levels, they consider your emotions much more than even your intellect. Because if you train as an engineer, you train as a lawyer, you train as a doctor, to some extent, you have aptitude. For you to finish law school, for you to finish medical school, that means you have some intelligence. So when you now get on, you are being interviewed for a job, what matters is not... Your intelligence per se is your attitude. How can you hold on in times of pressure? How will you relate with your colleague? You know, are you socially aware? Are you emotionally aware of yourself? What triggers you? Even when you are triggered, do you have your emotions on their laps? They are beginning to measure, assess your emotions even in the marketplace. Because some people look together, they look whole, but inwardly they are scattered. They are schizophrenic. That will not be your portion. In Jesus' mighty name. Your emotional intelligence determines how much you can work in a team. If you're a boss and you just come around, you know, just angry at everybody, the work will not go on. You make everybody look small, you make everybody look sad, dejected, then you are not fit for that place. You are not fit for a high level. At that level, your people's skill is what matters. Getting people to do the work is what matters. Somebody said, I would rather put 10 people to work than do the work of 10 people. So if I'm going to put 10 people to work, I must be emotionally balanced. I must be able to motivate them. I must be able to morally persuade them to do the work. So interpersonal relationships matter a lot. So it's not so much about your aptitude. Oh yes, you've been to medical school, business school, law school. We know you have the aptitude. But now, what's the emotional state like? Paul the Apostle said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he said, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. He went on to say, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or with empty, with plenty or little. You know, that was, he said, look, I've learned to be content. I've learned both how to abound and to abase. When I have money, I'm grateful to God. When I don't have money, I'm still grateful. I'm the same guy. When some people don't have money, you see it all over them. When some people are broke, believe me, they frown upon them, they are dejected, they take it out on everybody, take it out on their wife, take it out on their children, just because they are broke. That's not emotional capacity. That's not emotional oldness. Paul said, even when I don't have, I'm the same guy. I know how to abound. I've learned. He learned it by the help of the Holy Spirit. So I've learned both how to abound and how to abase. I've learned to be content in all things. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. See, I've learned it. I've put my emotions to check sufficiently. I've endured. 
I've taught my emotions how to walk. If you have an untrained dog, that dog will embarrass you everywhere. It will back all the time. It will poo where it's not supposed to poo. It will misbehave all year long. An untrained dog will misbehave. But when you see a trained dog, you tell the dog, sit down there. He sits. By the time he wants to defecate, he knows where to go to. He barks at the right time. He just doesn't harass people all over the street because he's been trained. The Bible says you can train your emotions. Paul the Apostle said, I trained my emotions. I don't allow having money or not having money dictate my mood. I don't have mood swings when I don't have. Because it is so true. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As the face of man reflects the man, so also the heart of man reflects the man. So if you don't gather your emotions, what you are trying to draw from God may not come. Because your emotions just act like magnets. Your emotions are just like magnets. When you have a magnet and you have iron around, that magnet will draw iron filings. It will draw them. So it's the same way our emotion works. If you are full of gratitude, you will draw what is comely. And that's why the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, say, think on these things. Wrap your mind around things that are praiseworthy. Wrap your mind around things that are pure. Set a watch over your heart. Guard your heart. Be emotionally intelligent. Be informed about your feelings. What triggers you? Be proactive. What are the things that triggers you that make you go over? But know yourself. Be emotionally aware. When you are emotionally aware that you can control your emotions, that is intelligence. And the world is preaching it these days. The world is talking about being personable. The world is talking about having good interpersonal relationships. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 27, Genesis chapter 25, verse 27, the Bible tells us about Esau and Jacob. It says, so the boys grew, the two of them grew. And Esau was a skilled hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a married man, dwelling in tents. He was an indoor man. Esau was an outdoor man. He was an hunter, always outdoor. Jacob was an indoor guy. And the Bible says he was a married man. Genesis 25, verse 27. Do you know there's a difference between reacting and responding? When you react, you act before thinking. When somebody comes and angers you, you act before thinking. But when you respond, you think, you introspect before acting. That's why Jesus said, look, when somebody comes and slaps you, say, turn the other cheek. You know, he's telling you, respond with grace. Don't be reactive. That's the secret there. So somebody is reactive, he hacks before thinking. That's no emotional intelligence at all. Somebody who is responsive, he thinks, then he hacks. And that's what you see in the life of Esau and Jacob. Esau was thoughtless. He was a quick guy. He was reactive. And you know, being reactive will also spark under actions which many times we are unfavorable. In other words, if somebody comes and slaps you, you can respond. You can run away. You can walk away. You can slap him back, and it can degenerate. Your normal action is to slap him back, and that's acting like a natural man. That's not acting supernaturally. The natural response to a slap would be to give the person a slap back. But mind you, as you give the person a slap back, it may degenerate, and somebody's life may be lost. I'm telling you sincerely. By the time somebody holds somebody's neck down over time, 
hold it down. He was angry at the guy, but along the line, Satan came in. That's why the Bible says, as you are angry, sin not. Satan came in. By the time he was meant to have gotten up, he remained because demon spirits had actually taken over the situation. It's not normal. It's animalistic for someone to do that. But you see, when you open the door to Satan, what happens? He comes in. So your reaction matters. This guy, Esau, was reactive. He came back. He was hungry. He saw this guy cooking, you know, good porridge, a good stew. He said, give me porridge. The guy who had been home, who had been thoughtful, who was in the normal one position, he's been thinking about how to get it. This guy came and said, oh, give me. He said, look, I'll give you. I don't have any qualms. I'll give you. But I need something in exchange. I want your birthright inheritance. And Esau said, what about this birthright? I don't have a need for it. I don't have any need for it. He sold his birthright because he was a reactive guy. He wasn't thoughtful. If you live your life not being thoughtful, that's not emotional intelligence. People who get to the top of their game, they are people who are emotionally intelligent. They are people who are thoughtful, who think through. They think through their actions. They use their mind to think through what could become if I take this step. They are actually like guys who play chess. If I take this step, what will be the consequence? If I throw the pawn this way, what will be the consequence? If I expose my queen, what will be the consequence? So they are thoughtful people. The Bible said, don't live life aimlessly. It said, be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. So Esau was not thoughtful. He was reactive. He was a reactionary guy. But this other guy, Jacob, was responsive. He was a cool, calm, collected guy. He had emotional intelligence. He didn't just have attitude, he also had attitude. It's my prayer God to give us emotional intelligence. Because you see, by the time you start having emotional intelligence, you are personable. Somehow, life will throw you up. Life throws up those who have their negative emotions under wraps. I'm not kidding you. People who have their emotional intelligence under wraps, they get promoted. They get to the top faster than those who don't have it. It's just a fact of life. It's my prayer God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Emotional capacity. I told you it's about expressing positive emotions. I told you it's about having your negative emotions under wraps. I told you it's about being emotionally intelligent. It's also about being able to resolve conflicts amicably. It's about being tactful. It's about being diplomatic. If you're not a diplomatic person in this life, you will not go far. There's a God's way, there's a man's way. And if you use God's principles, you will get the results. So, it's the ability to address issues and not personalities in conflict resolution. Emotional capability is disagreeing without being disagreeable. Of course, emotional capacity is also being emotionally healthy. This is really very big. In other words, you are whole in yourself. John the Beloved said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. It's being whole. When you see people who are whole, they are easy to live with. When you see people who are whole, they are easy to deal with. When you see people who are whole, they are easy to walk with. It's my prayer for all our bachelors, our bachelorettes. You will be whole, and you also marry a whole person in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. 
and to give you abundantly. When you know God, it creates a wholeness within you. When you study the scriptures, when you become an ardent student of the scriptures, it creates an wholeness within you. It makes you whole emotionally. It puts you back together. Many people are scattered and fragmented. But when you allow the word of God to permeate your being, that word can make you whole. Emotional healthiness matters a lot. It's being able to get your feelings back after disappointments. It's being able to get yourself back after disappointment. I told you life will throw you jabs. There will be disappointments along your way. But being able to gather yourself after a fall, being resilient, and you get up again, knowing that God is up there, is emotional wholeness. Some people, something happens to them, they never recover. That's not emotional wholeness. Life happens. We keep on praying, Lord, let good things happen to me. Let lines fall on me in pleasant places. Those are wonderful prayers. But as long as you live, life will happen. Jesus said, in this world, there will be troubles. But be of good cheer. Take on a cheerful disposition. Because I've overcome the world. So I'm not defined by my circumstances. I'm defined by the word of God. I try to build on the word of God. Because if I build on the word of God, I put my emotions under check. I'm stable, in and out of season. Being able to get your feelings back after disappointment. Is he a young man that disappointed you? Let him go. But get your feelings back. Another one is coming. Is the ability to forgive quickly and easily. Is the ability to bounce back quickly after a heartbreak. Many people are not emotionally whole. It's such a sad situation, but it's just the truth. But you see, God hasn't called us to have our lives being controlled by other people. You are too precious that your life should be in control of another person. The only person that has the right to control your life is the Holy Spirit. So if you are under that illusion that somebody is the one manipulating your emotions, get out of it. You are too much for that. You are a son, you are a daughter of Zion, and you are the son of the king. You are too much for somebody to put your strings recklessly. No, 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 no. That's not the will of God for you. Is my prayer we shall become emotional healthy in the mighty name of Jesus. Because even when you go into marriage, love, this kind of love is what is commitment. Because emotions are fickle. Emotions are like roller coaster. They are up today, down tomorrow. So why do we need emotional capacity? Because it affects other people. The Bible says, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see. So your actions, my actions affect another person. Your action can trigger off another person. And the way you think, your feelings determine your actions. Why emotional capacity? Because as leaders, your feelings, your emotions determine the tone of your organization. It determines the tone of where you are leading. Why emotional capacity? Because we produce based on what we have inwardly. Matthew 12, 35, Matthew 12, 35, in the NLT version, it says that the good man, out of the treasury of his heart, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Your treasury is the place you keep something. So in other words, your mind, our soul, is a container. And what you put in there, that's what you will produce. So an anxious soul will produce anxiety easily. A fearful soul will produce fear easily. An envious soul will produce envy easily. An embittered soul 
will produce bitterness easily, and a joyful soul will produce joy easily. A grateful soul will also produce gratitude easily. So that's how this thing works. So I can actually check you out. I can know what's going on in your mind by the actions, by what you produce. It's my prayer God will help us in Jesus' mighty name. How do you cultivate emotional capacity? I told you all these things can be learned. Paul said, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, say, I have learned both how to, how to be content in all situations. I have learned both how to abound and how to abase. And it's so true that the person that will promote you is watching you. And what they are checking out more likely is your attitude. What they are checking out more likely is your emotional capability. So how do I cultivate emotional capacity? The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He also said in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, say rejoice evermore. It didn't say rejoice when you feel good. Rejoice when there's money in your pocket. It didn't say so. It's amazing that Philippians, you keep on reading joy, joy, joy. You keep on reading, be anxious for nothing. In everything, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And it's amazing that this guy who wrote all this, wrote it in a jail. Paul was in Philippi jail when he was writing about joy. So circumstances didn't take away his joy. This guy, because he knew how to tap into God, he was a carrier of joy. The Bible says, within us shall flow rivers of living waters. The Bible says we should tap into ourselves and get our joy. So there is joy within you. It says a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. So if you want to cultivate capacity emotionally, rejoice evermore. Rejoice. Just make up your mind to rejoice. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are saying. You can sink in that circumstances. Faith can sink through days of sorrow that all shall be well. How do I cultivate emotional capacity? Give thanks. Because thanksgiving helps you to put things in perspective. The psalmist said, forget not all his benefits. He forgives your sins. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. So don't forget, when you begin to itemize what God has done, when you count your gains and not just your pains, it makes you put things in perspective. It makes you realize it's not all bad after all. Many times, because you don't put things in perspective, that's why we think it's all bad. Somebody is yearning to be you. And when you are grateful, you cannot diminish. People are actually truly grateful. They always have more. It's a matter of time. They get better. They get better. Because the water they are oozing out are good waters. Their vibes are good. So if you keep giving thanks, it has a way of making you emotionally whole. It's just the truth of the matter. Forget not all these benefits. Put everything in perspective. As you are aspiring to be better, also look back at where God has brought you from. So give thanks. How do you cultivate emotional capacity? Be mature in your thinking. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, say, Brethren, don't be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babies. But in understanding, be mature. Think maturely. There's a way children think. There's a way adults think. Children will throw tantrums. They're emotionally very unstable. He say, you be mature in your thinking. And the Bible says, woe to the land whose kink is a child. So if you refuse to grow up, there's a way children think, there's a way children reason. Paul said, when I became a man, I pushed away childish things. God wants us to be childlike. He doesn't want us to be childish. So be mature in your mind. Be mature in your thinking. Allow God to shape the way you think. 
Grow up in your mind and put things in perspective. Major on the majors, minor on the minor. What matters is life after death. Oh, yes, you want to own this, you want to get to this place. Oh, you will get there. But after getting there, what next? That's putting life in perspective. I want to drive a Rolls Royce. After driving the Rolls Royce, what next? There's always a what next. So if you are not content in where you are, you are setting up yourself for trouble. And of course, how do you cultivate emotional capacity? Build on the word of God. Feelings are roller coasters. They are fickle. The same person who says, I cannot do without you today, is taking you to the divorce court tomorrow. That's how fickle the feelings are. So you can't build on feelings. You have to build on God's word. Say the rains will fall, the winds will blow, but the house that is built on the rock, it will stand. I see you being emotionally capable in Jesus' mighty name. The Almighty God will put you back together again. It will make you whole. It will make me whole in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you give your life to Christ genuinely, you have begun the journey of wholeness. This world needs many more whole people. The evil you see in the land is because people are fragmented within. They are scattered within. They are hopeless. They are not what you think they are within you. So we need more whole people because to overcome evil, the Bible says overcome evil with good. He said, love your enemies. Those are the kind of people that God is telling us to become evil now. It may look impossible, but we are not natural beings. We are supernatural beings. We are the ones who represent God on earth. So we have to represent him well. And of course, being emotionally capable is a journey. So begin that journey. Get on the journey. Make up your mind every day. I'll put my negative emotions on that wraps. Make up your mind every day as you pray, Lord, help me. I will not get angry unnecessarily today. Lord, please help me. I will not envy my neighbor. That is the will of God. It's my prayer God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. It's my prayer we shall become better people, better citizens in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.